Hello and welcome to the uh, Movie Change Up Disney Plus Weekly Review, uh, where each week uh, we kind of break down what's been happening on Disney Plus. I'm Joe Fricky and with Tristan Meyer. This is our July 10th episode. Now, normally in the past, what we've kind of done is heavily focused on what was Loki and the Bad Batch, and then like maybe gave a little bit of talk about other things that dropped on Disney Plus. But we wanted to be make our show show more for the casual fan, like. If you have a place where you go for your MCU deep dives or your Star Wars deep dives, we think you already kind of have a place to go for that. Ours is more for people that have Disney Plus, but really, you know, they're not really sure what they're what to watch. So, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Loki, a little bit about Bad Batch, but then we'll talk about some other things that dropped on Disney Plus. Uh, Tristan, uh, how do you feel about some of the drops on Disney Plus this week? I felt pretty good this week. I think both episodes were a bit of a subversion of what I thought we were going to get. So I'm interested to talk about both of those. But of course, there were a couple off the beaten path things that I watched this week. I'm curious to hear if you watched anything other than the two mainstays. And like you said, we're not heavy spoilers. We're not new rock stars. We're not here to break down for 45 minutes every little clue in the Loki episode or something like that. But we're going to give our thoughts, some of our favorite little references and things like that. But yeah, not not the moment by moment paragraph by paragraph every single second breakdown just our general thoughts and some points to get to so i'm excited to get to that yeah yep yep same uh why don't we start with uh one of the big drops of the week that i talked about uh for a quick second there is loki and that is the i believe fifth episode of the of the series and that episode was titled journey into mystery uh we had you know, Loki, at the end of the pre episode four, he woke up and he was in this strange place and he was being looked over by four Lokis. He had boastful Loki, a kid Loki, uh, and then you had the old Loki, and then, of course, obviously, alligator Loki that everyone is obsessed with. Uh, and he kind of woke up and it was about him figuring out where he was. Uh, what were your kind of general thoughts on this episode? I liked it a lot. It really felt like getting to the premise of the show a bit. You're getting to all these different multiverse, essentially, Lokis who are all different uh, timelines and different types of characters. And I really liked seeing all these different versions of the Lokis interact. Uh, I was a bit let down, mostly because I thought, like, this should have been episode, like, three or, you know, like, I feel like we're a bit late in the show to be having just, like, a romp episode. Yeah. But I had a really good time with it. And you can see the Rick and Morty vibes from this writer in this episode, like all the different various various Lokis and all the Easter eggs and small little references in the background. It felt like something that would have been in a Rick and Morty episode in an alternate universe. So I was pretty happy with it, and I had a good time, and I can't wait for the finale. Yeah, uh, me either. I'm really looking forward to the finale. Just like I say a million times, we'll save our theories for the end, but I have a theory about who might be in the castle at the end and what we might get for a post-credit scene, and I'm going to drop... Uh, maybe a deeper explanation of this theory on TikTok later today, so check that out. Uh, we are at TikTok at Movie Change Up. Uh, but yeah, Richard E. Grant, when they announced he was in this cast, I was like a little confused. And then uh, as the show went on, he didn't appear. And then he uh, finally did appear in this episode, and he had his big moment. And I, I kind of really like uh what he did. A lot of people have a theory that he is gonna like that it was a fake out and his was an illusion basically his appearance at the end and that he's gonna be the big villain at the end and be in the castle and i don't believe that partially because you have you know the return of mobius here and mobius kind of gives that speech about how you know you can change and you can do good and he's kind of hears that speech and he realizes maybe he can do good and he has a thing at the beginning where he's like 
talking about how their whole thing for Loki, his whole mantra is like glorious power, glorious purpose. And right as he makes, you know, Asgard and constructs Asgard to uh, distract that big smoke monster, uh, he saw, he yells out glorious purpose. And I think that's finally him finally realizing like what his purpose was in life. It was, was kind of to be there in that moment. And I will also add, it's the first time they've had a close, like a cloud or a smoke monster that I didn't think was dumb. Any movie or any <laughs> show or anything that's ever had a cloud or a smoke monster, I always thought it was kind of, it looked bad. And this was the first one that didn't, and I actually liked it. Yeah, I was thinking about you during the episode, and I saw the giant smoke monster. I was like, oh, I wonder if Joe's buying into this or not. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I love Richard E. Grant as, as old Loki or classic, classic Loki, whatever they called him here. I think it was a great kind of piece of stunt casting you know it was just a one episode and done essentially maybe he'll come back for the finale but either way i don't see him being like a recurring character on the show or anything like that well there's only one episode left so it's either the next episode or never again so yeah because i'm sure there's gonna be a second season i'm running kind of on the assumption of the second season for this show but i i like the whole premise of this that they're stuck in this kind of like beyond time limbo kind of place where all the things that get erased go and of course because loki survived all the Lokis are kind of just still alive, hanging out in this like apoc- apocalyptic kind of like beyond time event. And I like too that they're all kind of in this like stagnant arrested development kind of state where they weren't really like changing or growing. They're just like, oh yeah, we just survive. That's all we can really do. And Loki and Sylvie come in as kind of this catalyst to to change them a little bit. And like you said, I think people are theorizing that the, uh, the old Loki's going to come back and be the big bad, but I don't really think that's true. I think that almost would undermine the whole plot of the episode. Like this episode yeah. feels like Loki's learning they can change and learn they can grow and become better people. And a lot of that is to the catalyst of Sylvie and our Loki. But I think if you go and say, oh, actually they can't change and Loki is actually bad, I think that kind of undermines not just the episode, but a lot of what the show is trying to go for and trying to say about Loki and characters and people. Yeah, Definitely. You know, I think that was kind of the message of the episode, if you can change, and then at the end it's like, oh, Richard E. Grant, who is Loki, who had the big change, ultimately didn't change, is kind of pointless. And I will say I'm also glad we got Mobius back, and, you know, I'm glad he returned. And I, I loved the moment in the beginning, we're kind of jumping around a little bit here, but I loved the moment in the beginning of Sylvie just, you know, taking the risk and pruning herself. Mm-hmm. And then... uh and then appearing in like that beyond world or whatever. Yeah, I like it too because it shows the change in the characters. Like just a couple episodes ago, you wouldn't have seen either one of these Loki's sacrifice, potentially sacrifice themselves for somebody else, you know. And yep. the fact that she was willing to take that risk, and even though she felt confident that it went somewhere uh, semi-safe, <laughs> I don't think she knew for sure, obviously. And that could have just been the end, but she had that kind of that level of faith yep. to take the risk for Loki. And I will say I like the fight with all of the Lokis when we meet President Loki and it kind of kicks off with Alligator Loki biting his hand off. That one. <laughs> yeah, there was some... Uh, the whole action of this episode was pretty ridiculous and whether it was just all of Lokis fighting each other or the action at the end, I think they were really leaned into just kind of like the fun and the ridiculousness of this premise in the episode here. Yeah. Uh, do you have any more you want to add about this any negatives you want you have about this episode uh i don't have a a ton of negatives i think this renslayer plot towards the beginning with renslayer and sylvie i think was a bit of a negative i think it was very obvious that renslayer was not playing her whole hand and i didn't think 
I didn't think Sylvia was that dumb to buy along and play along to this plot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, if she's a Loki, she should be a step ahead of Renslayer, and then Renslayer pulls that, pulls that, like, oh, actually, I'm not helping you. Sylvia should be like, oh, okay, because I'm actually ahead of you still. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that would have been the plot po- twist there. Uh, but that's not a huge criticism. Like, those are just small things. Yeah. I think the episode, like I said, we went, went away from the finale, so I don't know how much of this was a waste of time and how much of this was worth it but i guess i'm just gonna have to wait and see what we get from the rest of it i also thought boastful loki was very cool and then ended up not doing a lot this episode yeah. <laughs> you know because he was sitting there talking in that in that base saying like oh i killed all the avengers and i took all the stones and none of them are really believing him and it would have been fun to see him have a little bit of a cool moment towards the end some kind of moment similar yeah. to the other loki had yeah that, that i, w- I would have been down for that and I also, I like the moment of Kid, Th- Kid uh, Loki basically like, oh, what did you hear to cause a deviation in the timeline? And he's like, I killed Thor. And there's some theories floating around of when that might have happened. But, you know, maybe it wasn't exactly on purpose as, you know, you kind of are meant to believe in the episode. But And I like, too, that the Kid Loki is sort of the leader of all these other Lokis. Like, <laughs> the fact yeah. that he killed Thor, I guess, is what puts him as, like, oh, he's a badass. He killed Thor, and we all kind of answer to him. Yeah. Despite the fact that one of them, Richard E. Grant, and the other one's, like, this giant hammer-wielding, like, bodybuilding-looking guy. <laughs> yeah. And to this little kid. And the other one's an alligator. So. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any uh, theories, potentially, for next episode? I – it's hard to have theories. Every time – either come out in front of me and say oh yeah the timekeepers aren't real you were right and now we know but I have no idea who's going to be in that castle I I have two minds about it honestly I guess my first theory is that it's just it's an easy answer it's Loki we have an evil Loki who's in that castle who's taken over and he's been kind of controlling all of us from the beginning he's been making sure that no Lokis can become good because if they become good they'll try and take him down so whenever someone starts to become good, he takes him out, and he's trying to maintain himself as, like, the prime Loki. <laughs> That's my one direction. And the other direction, I think, is what Internet fans would love to see, what Reddit would be happy about, and that's Kang. If Kang the Conqueror really does show up, I think that a big castle in the end of time is probably the place to do it. So I think that would be a place to bring in, if not Kang, some kind of larger-scale comic book villain. Or just pull it back and be like, yeah, it was Loki. The show is called Loki, guys. It's about Loki. We're not going to pull in random characters and no set up into the show. <laughs> we'll see where they go with that. All right, so here is my theory. My theory is the person in the castle is Loki, like you said. Uh, and then, you know, he'll defeat Loki, and he thinks he's won the day, and he thinks he's done the right thing. And then there will be a post credit scene or maybe a scene towards the end where we find out that the reason Loki has this prime timeline and, you know, the, you know, the timeline that's correct is because it's the one where Kang is ne- was never created because Kang is too, you know, dangerous to ever be created. And so with Loki creating all of, destroying the TVA and creating all these multiverses, he has basically given birth to Kang, who is now going to be the main, he's going to basically be the new Thanos. I really like that. I, I think... I would love to see how this show be that level of setup because I think that is the premise of the MCU is like this TV show, essentially like you're getting everything you watch is one part of a larger story. So I think if you get the setup for a villain here, that becomes a major player later on. That makes it feel like we're not wasting our time on the shows here. 
I want to throw out another theory uh, okay. when we're done talking about this one, but I do want to mention uh, Miss Minutes has been returning. Uh, she hasn't been on the show for a while, and this was her kind of big return to the show. And I'm throwing out a wild theory here, Joe. I don't know if I'm going to stick by it next week or not, but I wouldn't be surprised they walk into that castle and Miss Minutes is in there, and she's been kind of manipulating it might not literally be Miss Minutes. I think she could be like an avatar standing for something else, but I wouldn't be surprised if Miss Minutes is some kind of bad guy and that Miss Minutes has been underestimated because it's always an animated clock. It's just kind of like this yeah. neat little thing, but in the background, it's been kind of the eyes and ears of Kang or whoever is the bad guy here, and that could be kind of a big fun twist at the end. This character you underestimated was actually part of the plot. Yeah, I can see that. That's definitely. I've, I've thought about that as well. As maybe Miss Minutes has, has more to do than we think, because she was very much in the in the marketing on the posters and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, maybe they just think it's a cool animated character, and they didn't really do anything like this before. And it kind of leans into like the weirdness of Loki, and plus it's Sarah Strong, so you want her to be on the poster, or it means you're doing something with the character. So I'm yeah. not really sure what to expect there. And before we move on, the one thing I do want to go back and say is I, I like how they've shown Loki's transformation. It's, it's basically it's the show started with he wants to take out the TVA so he can control it. And now he still wants to take out the TVA, but it's because he realizes they're like a corrupt organization. So I kind of like the just the writing aspect of how his mm-hmm. you know end goal hasn't changed, but it's his motivation that changed. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point i didn't think about it like that but you're right i think it really does show the change in loki i think this has been a fascinating show so far and i can't wait to get to the finale just to see how it all wraps up just because they've done so well so far they've really impressed me and there hasn't been an episode yet where i've been like wow that was a real dud or that was like some huge like ass pulling ralph borner kind of plot twist that didn't (laughs) fit with what i wanted in the show at all but i feel like I feel like everything hinges on who's in the castle because if someone in the castle is like someone completely out of, I feel like if it's Kang, it'll be fine. If it's, you know, another Loki variant will be fine. Even if it's like some type of miss minutes thing, we could be fine. But I feel like if it's no one's in the castle and it's really Sylvie and she's been lying to Loki the whole time and blah, 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 then I'm just going to be like, all right, this is dumb. But, or if it's any other kind of thing that's, not really been set up then i feel like it'll be it'll you know be a letdown and kind of sour the whole series but yeah my biggest fear is that it's just some guy or like some monster or something like that like it's not gonna be any character it's just gonna be like oh the bad guy they have to fight in the finale you know yeah but as long as i can nail this finale though i i'm feeling confident this could be my favorite of the mcu shows so far yeah me too me too I also have a theory that I wrote my notes here I want to mention right before we finish okay. in that when old man Loki, uh, Richard D. Gr- Richard Grant's talking, he, he mentions like how he survived the death of Thanos and says, oh, I created an apparition so believable that Thanos even believed it and then I kind of floated out in space for years and years and went to a planet and all of that kind of gives like his origin story of how he escaped Thanos. Yeah. And I'm kind of running on the theory maybe that our Loki – We'll remember that conversation in his timeline. So if we end this show with our Loki going back onto his timeline, essentially where he was supposed to be at in the first place, yeah, yeah, this could be a way for him to kind of get around. Like if he, a few years later, is faced with Thanos and remembers what old man Loki told him back in the day, he can 
maybe he spends years and years training to get to that point. You know, now he knows when he dies. Now he knows how he dies, and he knows how he can avoid it if he knows ahead of time to practice up his illusion magic, practice up this and that. And it could be a way for the MCU to retcon their way into making this secondary Loki survive through the end of Thanos and maybe be like a reoccurring Marvel character again. See, I think they could do that because there's just some theories based around that. I also think because the TVA exists without time, he could pop back out on the other side of the event. Like, make a portal and pop back out on the other side of the, uh, basically the five years later after the Avengers fight Thanos. And boom, there we go, Loki's back. And he's right back in the timeline, and it's this new changed Loki. Yeah, I think... I'm I'm also curious how much Loki's going to be present going forward in the show or in the in the MCU. <laughs> yeah. Like, is he going to be a main character or is he going to be like once in a while he shows up or is he just going to be a TV exclusive character? Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that too. A lot yeah. hinged on the finale. I'm really looking forward to it. Yep. All right, you ready to move on to the Bad Batch? I'm ready. I'm ready to move on. All right. Uh, Bad Batch. This episode was called Devil's Deal. Uh, felt a little bit different than most Bad Batch episodes because Bad Batch, instead of being the main characters, were basically almost reduced to a cameo. And I was um, messaged one of my friends that this almost, in a way, felt like a classic Clone Wars episode where you're away from the main heroes and you're off on like a different, uh, you know, conflict. And I kind of enjoyed that. Tristan, what were your overall thoughts on the Devil's Deal? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I wasn't quite sure how I would feel at first for the first couple minutes when I first realized, like, oh, we're not going to get a lot of Bad Batch this week. That's a choice. But I liked it because I have mentioned in the previous episodes of this show that I really want to get more of what it's like under the Empire and what the day-to-day kind of life is like for a citizen who is now having this huge regime change uh, from the Republic to the Empire. And this gave us exactly that. It's like, what is this planet who was loyal to the republic and was a republic planet that is now having to adjust to the empire what is that like and of course we see it through the eyes of characters that we know uh but i do think it was a good choice to put the bad bats to the side and just give us this sort of like boots on the ground civilian kind of look at the world for an episode yeah and it, you know also showed us some characters we know you have orn frita who was made a, he played a part in the prequels he wasn't a main character or anything but he was around during the prequels and then obviously Cham Syndulla who was uh, from you know in a number of arcs in the Clone Wars and then had a part in Rebels because we also saw Hera and Chopper two very much main characters in the uh, TV show Star Wars Rebels who I was not expecting to see in this show I think I might have when I knew we were going to Ryloth I'm like oh maybe we'll get like a small Hera cameo, same way we got a kind of a Kanan cameo in the first episode. Was mm-hmm. not expecting her to be a main character of an episode, but I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I was happy with it too. Like you said, I was like, oh, maybe Hera's gonna be like, maybe a supporting character for an episode, like to the ways that like Cut's kids were in his episode. <laughs> you know, that was what I was expecting. Like, I'll be a Cham Sandula episode maybe, and then Hera will be like there. But yeah, she was the main character essentially of the episode, and I liked it a lot. Yeah, uh, I love Star Wars Rebels, so any chance for me to get more time with the characters of Star Wars Rebels, I was happy with. Of course, I'd like to get us a chance where we're actually meeting new characters and learning about new characters. I think it's going to be an opportunity to do that. Like, We don't need to have it be Hera. It could be anyone, and if we're spending the whole episode, yeah. we didn't know them. Like, we don't need to already know who they are. But that's 
I mean, I don't know. That's not. That just seems like what the show is going for at this point. Like, I I can complain about cameos every week if I wanted to, but it just seems like that's kind of what they're leaning into, especially in mm. season one at least. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think there's a lot of. It was weird because like Rebels was kind of the opposite, or it was pretty much new characters, and then they introduced characters in season two. So I'm kind of curious how the show's going to move forward because it's going to get to a point where they've like burned out like all of the people that can return like at this point like who else can return on this show that would make sense in the star wars canon yeah i don't want them to get so far beyond where it's like oh, oh look there's luke skywalker at, at in tatooine and yeah. <laughs> they just have like oh hi my name's luke and that kind of stuff i think uh you want to keep it within at least the realm of, realm of believability of people who would work yeah. with the bad badge people who would be there in that era but yeah, they're running out of running out of names here. <laughs> yeah, and next episode we'll obviously get the Bad Batch again because the next episode is I can't remember if it's either titled like Ryloth Rescue or Rescue on Ryloth. So Bad Batch are definitely coming in hot to, uh, you know, rescue Hera and save the save the people of Ryloth at least in the immediate future. I like this format almost of like you get one episode where you meet the problem and meet the characters that they're helping and the next episode is about the bad bash coming in to kind of like save the people (laughs) yeah and uh there's a theory going around that sid is kind of secretly working for uh at least a pocket of the rebellion because she keeps sending them on jobs and for whatever reason all these jobs they happen to be fighting the empire or at least working against the Empire, working for people who are working against the Empire. So what are your thoughts on that, that we might get a reveal later on that Sid is maybe, you know, working partially for, like, Jandodana or Bail Organa or one of, one, of, one of the members of the Rebellion? I like it. I think that would be a cool reveal. I think Sid was a character where I assume, like, oh, this is, like, a one-episode character, and she stuck around and stuck mm-hmm. around and growing on me and growing on me so i'd be i'd like to see it if she could play into the plot and what her role is going forward because now like last week we got outside of the sid's place and kind of left you know so like their debts are paid off so they could leave whatever they wanted to and Mm -hmm. so the plot no longer has an excuse to keep her around so i'm wondering what her role is going to be and i like Mm -hmm. that a lot if she's a member of the rebellion it's a perfect way to bring it in even if she's not a member of the rebellion maybe she's just oh, I'm a criminal, the Empire's kind of, like, making my business hurt, so I would rather have it be a different regime. And she's not necessarily all in on, like, the morals of the Rebellion, but she's all in on taking down the Empire, you know? And I think that could be kind of a new, a good theme. Especially yeah. early on in the Rebellion, it wasn't necessarily all, like, oh, we got to take down the Empire. A lot of it was, like, oh, these it, yeah. new oppressive forces are really bad, or oh, it might benefit my criminal organization or this and that to take down the Empire. Yeah. And speaking of characters and kind of any reveals, one of the characters that interests me a lot, especially with the themes and everything of the episode, is the clone Hauser, who at this point we are kind of led to believe that all of the clones who still have their chips are programmed to basically serve the Empire, and they've all kind of lost their individual identity. They all started wearing their helmets again, and they had clean armor that wasn't painted. And then we meet Hauser, uh, who doesn't wear his helmet a whole lot, uh, doesn't go by his you know designation goes by the name hauser and uh still has painted armor and there i think it was rex who said in rebels or something that there were some clones that were kind of able to resist order 66 and so i'm kind of thinking especially with the name hauser which is also arnold schwarzenegger's name or character's name in total recall 
and his character was a member that was basically programmed to join the rebellion uh to destroy the rebellion but ultimately ended up like leading and working for the rebellion so i kind of wonder if that's kind of a little hint at what hauser's character or his role was going to be at least for the meanwhile in the show of essentially like he's a member of the empire so he's supposed to fight against the rebellion but because of his ability to resist his ship he's actually maybe not going to join the rebellion but going to be able to help them and serve them yeah i like that theory a lot i think it'd be nice to get that eyes on to especially if he becomes like a, a reoccurring character we see a few more scenes with him in it it could be nice to have that eyes into the empire and when he has scenes between him and, and Rampart and a couple of other characters, he could be like the voice of the audience reason, I guess, within those scenes. You could see him kind of starting to be like, hey, maybe this Empire stuff is wrong. We're not supposed to be doing it like this, kind of like he did this week already. So I think if we're going to be having a bit more of an Empire focus in the second half of the season, like with Crosshair coming back eventually pretty soon and Rampart ramping up a bit as a character, uh, I think... That could be a nice eyes of the Bad Batch into it. And I could even see, like, maybe there's a point where Crosshair has to take him out or something like that. And he could even be a catalyst in a bit of a way of Crosshair changing and becoming a better person or becoming a worse person, I guess, whatever his character arc is going to be. Yeah. But it could be a point where they're like, oh, this clone guy is getting too mouthy, so Crosshair, go take him out. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So... Uh, do you have any predictions moving forward? Do you have anything else to say about this ep- episode in particular? Predictions, I'm not quite sure. I mean, they're going to come and they're going to rescue Hera. Yeah. You well, know, I, like, I didn't know if long-term, I didn't know if anything, I, if there were any reveals in this episode that made you think kind of any long-term predictions. Not not quite. This was most of, this was kind of like a standalone episode, so I didn't get a ton of theory crafting. Yeah. I'm not sure if you did or not, but yeah, this was fun for me, just yeah. kind of like a episode of the week you mentioned that it felt like a clone wars episode and i agree with that and for me that kind of added a lot to the experience because mm-hmm. i missed that format a bit of the clone wars where it's just like oh here's something going on let's see what's going on and i didn't have to sit there and be like oh let's take notes on the cloning let's take notes on omega is she force sensitive is she not is this and that and i just sat back and watched it i thought it was a couple of cool scenes where uh, well, I've liked when Hera and Omega had their first interaction. I feel kind of whenever characters like that interact, like these big characters from different times of Star Wars, it feels kind of monumental. Like Hera is the main character of Rebels interacting with the main character of Bad Batch, and they're both these like female lead characters in a in a franchise that so desperately yeah. needs more of that. And it was cool seeing Omega guide Hera around the ship and showing her like, oh, here's this yeah. and here's that and here's yeah. this and. <laughs> yeah, and then Hera's like, "Oh, one day I'm gonna fly, and I'm so excited to do it, and I'm gonna have my own ship." And of course, you know in your heart that that's what happens. And Hera does get her own ship, even though it comes out through some pretty heavy circumstances. She yeah. has to fight in the rebellion and take down an empire, and her lover dies in the in the fact. But <laughs> yeah. you know, she gets to have her. She dream gets a song, so it's okay. Yeah, little. Uh, but I'm. My number one theory I'm 100% locked in on is Hera is flying the Bad Batch's ship next episode. Next it, episode. It may not be pretty. Like, I think it's going to be one of those things where you expect her to be, like, great at it from the jump. And I think she's going to kind of, like, she's going to get it off the ground and she's going to get away. But it's probably not going to go so well. That's that's my number one theory. 
Uh, but also as far as like one I love that I could also see like Omega and Hera being like co-pilots in that yeah. scene like maybe yeah. Hera's fine Omega has to be like her co-pilot hitting yeah. all the levers that she knows and maybe strategizing she even... their way out yeah strategizing their way out and maybe she has some good memory because Tex but insisting that she memorizes the entire ship schematic by heart before yeah. she can even train to fly the ship yeah. <laughs> there was there was there's a so there's a comic I don't remember if it's like a Superman comic or a Batman comic but basically it's a flashback to when uh, Bruce and Clark were kids and it was not long after it was like a few months or so after Bruce's parents were uh, murdered and so Alfred decides that Bruce needs to get out of Gotham and take him on a road trip and their car eventually you know breaks down in Kansas just outside the uh, Kent farm and Bruce and Clark meet for the first time and that's kind of what this episode with Omega and Hera reminded me of was that comic when yeah, I'll have to check that comic out. I haven't read it, but it sounds like something I'd like. Yeah, it's definitely a fun thing. You see a little bonding between Alfred <laughs> and uh, Jonathan Kent, and I think I think that was fun. But also, another long-term theory I have for this show is I think uh, Crosshair has one of two options. I think he's either going to get his chip removed and die heroically, similar to like a Vader situation, or I think he's going to get his chip removed and be like, yeah, I'm still staying with the Empire. This is... You know, this is where I belong. This is where I need to be. This is what's right. And I think I, I think either way, Crosshair dies by the end of the season. Yeah, I think so, too. I couldn't see him rejoining the team and just yeah. hanging out with them. It would be a weird dynamic. It's yeah. like, oh, the guy that just killed the civilians and like yeah. tried to kill us multiple times is now just like back on the team, <laughs> Yeah. you know? So I think he sacrificed himself. It's probably my theory is that he will sacrifice himself to save the Bad Batch in some daring escape at the last second or something like that and yeah. the tragic end of crosshair yep yeah i don't i just don't see him surviving uh so you have anything else you want to say about this or do you want to move on to the next topic i'm ready to move on joe what do we got for our next topic? all right next we got uh the first two episodes of monsters at work so i figure we review these and then i don't know about you but i'll probably keep watching and then we'll kind of do like a season recap i don't think we necessarily need to break down uh, each episode oh, yeah. on here but not for this one and i will say just to recap if you know if you're a marvel fan and you haven't checked out loki yet definitely check out loki you know if you've enjoyed their other marvel shows and then obviously if you're a star wars fan i would say number one watch watch clone wars if you haven't watched clone wars then watch rebels if you haven't watched rebels and then check out the bad batch but if you've seen both of those and you haven't dived into rebels or you haven't dived into bad batch yet definitely check out uh the bad batch and check out Rebels if you haven't seen that. I know a lot of people watch Clone Wars and then kind of yeah. fell off on Rebels after like the first season or so. But uh, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say check it out. I really yeah. like Rebels. It's probably my favorite of the shows so far. My favorite moment in all of my favorite thing in all of Star Wars is the season two finale of Rebels. And yeah, it's so good. I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't watched it, but that's all I'll say about that. So next, uh, we have Monsters at Work. I watched the first two episodes, which premiered on Disney Plus this week. Have you checked them out or no? Yeah, I watched the first two last All night. Right. All right, yeah, I, uh, I'll say this. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, if you haven't watched it, the show basically takes place like within a few months or even maybe a few days of the uh, the first Monsters, Inc. movie. And I didn't really know when on the timeline it would take place. There's really just Monsters University and Monsters, Inc., uh, but I kind of like I kind of like the plot of the show. I'll say that where it's like, hey, they just moved from scaring to making people laugh. And our main character, uh, straight out of college, was hired 
as a scarer and then it turns out your job's obsolete so i kind of like that idea and dynamic of like if you're a parent watching this with your kid that's maybe something you can relate to and like the story and the storyline something for you and then the jokes and the characters are more for the kids uh, what were your kind of general thoughts yeah i was really in, invested in the premise of the plot more than i ever thought it was i was going to be because yeah. I, I really like monsters inc a lot and i was like oh this is going to be fun because it's you know it's the world of monsters inc the characters are in it i'll watch it and that'll be that and i thought the premise was really creative and really interesting and i think there's almost social commentary in there of like oh like and when renewable energy comes around and how do you replace these jobs in obsolete industries? Like yeah. how do you go tell a coal miner like, oh, actually you don't have a job anymore because yeah. of new energy. And how do you adjust like a whole entire culture and ecosystem over to that new system? Yeah. You know, and I, I did never expected them to like address any of that. <laughs> I figured, yeah. oh, we're just going to join. It's going to be like 20 years later or whatever and essentially real time. And they're going to be in the new Monsters Inc. That's all laugh, all, all laugh factory. And yeah. We're getting a different story. We're getting how does that even happen? And I'm into that story. Not so much into the characters. <laughs> we'll get to that more as we go along, I think. But I'm yeah. I'm into watching a few more of this. I don't know if I'll finish the first season, but I'm I'm definitely gonna watch a couple more episodes. Yeah, I mean they're short. I'll probably just check them out as they come out. But yeah, I will say the premise, some of the aspects aspects I liked, uh, like we were talking about. But then some of them I didn't because I feel like as much as they tried to make this like a realistic interpretation of what this would be like if Monsters Inc. was real, there were other parts that didn't quite make sense to me. Like, minor spoiler alert, Sully gets promoted to CEO of the company, which it's not... Like, when I saw that, I'm like, okay, they're only promoting him because he was the main character of the last movie and he was voiced by John Goodman, but they're not going to promote just some random low-level employee to CEO of the company. Uh, just because it's like, hey, we're a laugh company now, and uh, you're good at making people laugh, I guess. And, you know, you were the star of the last movie, so you're the CEO now. And same with Mike Wazowski. It's like, oh, we're going to promote you, but we don't know how, so just make up your own title. And so he did. I, I think it would have made more sense if they're just like, yeah, Sully's the head of the, you know, scare floor now, or the laugh floor. Like, he's the head of the laugh department or whatever, and they just mm -hmm. made up something. And then Mike Wazowski's, like, the head laugh teacher or something at Monsters, Inc. And I, their, their entire role in the show would have still been the same. They would have popped in here and there, but it would have at least been believable instead of, hey, Sully, you're the CEO now. Yeah, I was curious about that, too, because it's obviously, like, a logic leap. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, you have to buy the fact that these random people were handed the reins to the company. I think there's multiple explanations, yeah. I think, within the context of my headcanon. I'm going to be like... You know, they got rid of they got rid of water nose or whatever the, yeah. the guy's name was from the first one, and now the whole company is like about to go bankrupt. So they're essentially like handing it off to the guys who caused the problem. They're like, "Well, you guys, you guys made it a laugh factory. You guys are the ones that have to ride it down to the ground. <laughs> yeah, basically. You, know, it's like, you guys figure it out from here. We're not doing this and that kind of thing." Where they don't expect Mike and Sully to pull it together, they think like, "Oh, we're gonna hand off this crashing ship to the other guys and run," you know, and. Now is their chance to show them show them they were wrong and show them they can actually pull this ship together. Yeah, I like how the we're... other chance is that it's just bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like how we're trying to come up with headcanon to explain a show based on Monsters Inc. When yep. it's like, eh, it's probably just like 
they were like, yeah, it's for seven-year-olds. He's the CEO. Yeah, Please they were probably this. like, yeah, it's for kids. They won't think about it that much. Cause I almost wonder if that was part – they were like, oh, we're going to just have them be the CEO of the company like 10 years later, and then this out of all, let's move it forward. Let's move it backward a bit and like have it yeah. be right afterwards. And they were like, yeah. how do we explain Mike and Sully becoming leaders of the company? And they are like, well, I don't know. Just have them like, be the leaders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say the second episode I wasn't as high on because like the Motley crew of you know people because he gets tr- the main character Tyler uh, who was the one hired to be a scare and then immediately upon arrival it's changed to laughing gets sent to miffed because he is very bad at being funny um, at least you know on purpose so he gets sent basically to the maintenance department uh, where you find a Motley crew of characters one of them voiced by Henry Winkler another one voiced by Mindy Kaling and I thought all of those characters were really terrible and annoying. I will say that. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I thought, Joe. I was into the first episode, and I was like, oh, these supporting characters are like kind of quirky and fun for like their scene. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, they're going to be the main characters, uh-huh. aren't they? Like, Mike and Sully are just going to be like a couple of scenes and episode type characters, uh-huh. and we're going to be focused on like Mindy Kaling's character and Henry Winkler's character, the worst characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I maybe turned around on them a little bit towards the end, but when they were saying, like, turn the nut, or, or wrench the nut, or whatever, I'm like, the fuck is going on? Like, I understand the show, when they made this show, they did not make this show for a 28-year-old dude, but also, I don't know. I, I will say this, if you grew up on Monster Monsters, Inc., and you love Monsters, Inc., definitely check out this show, and if you have little kids and you want a new show and you don't you're tired of watching frozen for the five billionth time and you can recite every line from every episode of paw patrol this is a show that you can watch and it won't make you want to beat your head against the ground until your ears bleed like i i I won't say i i i more than tolerated it but i didn't exactly like love it either somewhere in between tolerate and love is where i'm at on this show yeah, I have a niece who just turned six, and this is probably a show that I'll watch with her. It feels yeah. like a show that a kid would like, and I laughed. I had a lot of fun with a lot of the jokes and the characters, and there was some inventive humor. And it's not Pixar didn't write this, but they consulted on the characters and outsourced it to a different studio to actually yeah. do the writing. But it feels like a Pixar yeah. show. Like there's adult humor in there a little bit, and there's jokes for all kinds of age groups. Yeah. Like, kids are going to laugh at the dumb physical humor of like people falling over and that kind of stuff. And adults can laugh at like some of the lines from Mike about comedy. And he has some really fun, dry humor. He's up there giving a speech and he says like a punchline is not when you punch someone. And he just delivers it so flatly and dryly that I like really laughed at that one. There's a couple of good jokes in there for adults like us, but yeah, a good family show. I would say if you have anyone on around the age of like 10 or under who wants to watch a show with you and, you want something that's actually tolerable, this is definitely one. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else to add about Monsters at Work before we move on to our next one? I, I got two left of things I watched on Disney+. Plus. I don't know what you've watched. No, I'm uh, I'm a little bit down on it more than you, I think, but I'll get a couple more episodes and see how, I, how it goes. Yeah. I, I might watch, like, two or three more episodes and not even give a season review, and I'll just at that point be like, hey, I'll watch the next two or three. I, I'm out. If you have a kid, check it out. I don't have a kid, so I don't have to watch this, but... Me. We'll Let's see, see, we'll see when we get there. Uh, so next up I have The Good, The Bart, and The Loki. The Simpsons Marvel crossover special. And I'll just say this. I've seen maybe four episodes of Simpsons in my life. I have never... I, I think there's two movies. I haven't seen either of them. I was so confused by what the hell was <laughs> going on for this six minutes. Like, there was, like, 
things that I think were supposed to be like parodies of post credit scenes, but the whole short itself wasn't long enough for me to understand if this was supposed to be a post credit scene or if Disney Plus was just glitching out. Like it didn't even feel like par- it felt like memes. Like someone at the Simpsons office just drew a bunch of like Marvel memes in the so- style of the Simpsons. And then someone told them, oh, you should make, like, a short film about this. And they just, like, tried their best, but their best just wasn't good enough. And that's my <laughs> thought on The Good, The Bart, and The Loki. Yeah, I'm going to echo your thoughts on that one. I thought, like, very lazy. The Simpsons have gotten pretty lazy. I, I've i seen more than you have. I've seen a handful of seasons of it. I watched a lot of it when, when I first got Disney+, Plus because they have the whole entire yeah. series on there. And I did see the first simpsons movie on a road trip when i was in like middle school (laughs) so i have some like osmosis memories of the simpsons and what the characters are and that kind of stuff but yeah not not great work they've done a lot of pop culture references and that kind of stuff in their shows and this very much just felt like corporate overlords came down and then when they were like oh you guys got to do a loki short to promote loki on disney plus and they're like do it really and they're like well yeah you do because we're the mouse and you do what we say and it almost felt like, there was that time where the, a character holds up a sign and says, like, oh, this is what happens when Disney buys Fox, something like that. And Oh, yeah, it was, yeah, when Disney buys Fox and Marvel or whatever. Because yeah. <laughs> I was like, this might be the animator just being like, guys, you didn't want to do this. This is just Disney telling us to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just some commission work yeah. from Disney. Not yeah. not the best work from The Simpsons, no. No. All right, so, yeah, I will say this. If you're a big fan of the simpsons maybe you watch it and you'll get something out of it but outside of that i'm gonna say don't waste the six minutes of your life unfortunately unfortunately all right and then i have one do you have anything else left that you've watched on disney plus this week because i have one final thing um binging through high school musical the series uh season two i haven't quite caught up yet but i'll talk about it more when i'm caught up on that i will say uh i've watched the first two episodes of season one and I thought, because we'll need a show when uh, Loki ends to do more of a deeper dive into. And uh, season three debuts like a week or two after Loki ends. And I'm like, oh, Tristan, who loves this show, is going to be here praising it. And I'm going to be <laughs> the one here shitting on it. And it's going to be amazing. I will say I've enjoyed the first two episodes more than I thought I would, number one. Because wow. I thought this show would be uh, a musical uh itself and it's not at least the first like there's parts where they sing but they're like practicing their songs for the musical and stuff like that so it like makes sense for the story and also i thought the show would be more of like a like a hey they're doing these uh musical from high school musical but also our plot lines are the exact same as their plot lines what a coincidence and it's really not you know it's very different than what i thought it would be it's like definitely like teenage high school drama but it's it's better than I expected, I'll say that. And it has that just little bit of an injection of self-awareness where you're not quite yeah. fully supposed to be invested in this high school drama. Like, they know that yeah. it's high school level stakes. <laughs> yeah. So I have, I'm having a good time with it. I'd love to hear your thoughts as you get further along. I will say it's weird, like, watching this post-Olivia Rodrigo success because it just feels like, why is this famous person here surrounded by a bunch of nobodies? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It definitely feels like she's on a level above like everyone else around her yeah. in that show, especially now. And I will say it feels uh, the like drama teacher feels like they tried to hire Kristen Chenoweth and she said no, so they went with someone who got like third place in a Kristen Chenoweth like lookalike contest. Because she talks <laughs> like the same thing. way and she has like the same kind of vibe. Like she's not bad, it just feels like she's trying to basically be Kristen Chenoweth and that's the vibe they were going for. But yeah, she's doing like a good job going... at it, I guess. 
I, I felt like that character in particular feels like she's pulled out of Glee. She feels very much like the yeah. female love interest from Glee. I can't remember her name off the top of my head now, but like the, the teacher's love interest. She's like a counselor or something on the show, and she has a similar vibe to that character. So I think they try, try to go for the Glee angle on that one. Yeah. And then I have one final thing, and that's a documentary I watched on Disney Plus that's part of their National Geographic collection that. Basically, I've just decided for this show's purposes, I'm going to go through the banner each day, and if something sticks out to me, like, oh, I should watch that, I'm going to watch it so I can review it for here. And last night I was scrolling through, and I saw a documentary called Shark Beach with Chris Hemsworth. And I was like, ah, people love sharks, people love Chris Hemsworth, this ought to be good. I'll be honest, it's like 45 minutes, it's not like a super deep dive into, like, no pun intended, not a super, like, deep dive into anything, but it's Chris Hemsworth uh exploring the beaches of australia with like various scientists and people who've had shark attacks and it's kind of him learning seeing if uh sharks can coexist and maybe exploring why there's been more shark attacks and it's like relatively interesting if you like sharks if you like chris hemsworth i'll definitely say uh check it out there's a really cool moment where he's doing a dive with some like 85 year old uh diver conservationist conservationist lady and there's these two, like, gray nurse sharks that are, like, 12 feet long. And they're, like, you know, five feet apart. And they're, like, five feet over his head. And I would be fucking shitting myself in that moment. <laughs> so mad respect for Chris Hemsworth for, like, not crying. Uh, but, yeah, I, thought, I just thought it was, you know, <laughs> relatively easy, like, breeze of a documentary to watch. It's not going to, like, change your life. But it was... You know, if you like, if you want to watch Chris Hemsworth for forty-five minutes, watch it. Does he take his shirt off at all during? Oh yeah, beach? bunch of times. It's he's on a beach cool. for I'm, half I'll the. Into it. He's on a beach for half the documentary. What do you think? Look, I looked it up though, and he was on some like surfer suit, and I'm like, I do not need some surfer suit. I need the full Hemsworth. No, there is a moment where he takes his shirt off, and you're like, all right, this was intentional. <laughs> I started watching on my Disney Plus uh, random movie watch. I watched uh, Miraculous World, the Miraculous Ladybug like movie thing on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not good. Yeah. Not not good. Yeah. I've had some random encounters with Miraculous Ladybug, the TV show, and I I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like the design of the characters, and they have this kind of like cool dynamic between the two leads. But yeah, I've, not, I honestly not, have no idea what you're one. talking about. I've never heard of this. <laughs> Some random Disney Disney TV show that I occasionally saw episodes of, but they made a movie out of it, and I was like, oh, maybe the movie will be like this cool step up from the show, and it was not that. All right. Uh, anything else to add to our Disney Plus discussion this week before we wrap it up? Well, Joe, there was one big movie that launched on Disney Plus that we are not talking about, and I yeah, want to know was what about our to get plans that. are for that one. <laughs> I was about to get to that if you didn't have anything else. So obviously Black Widow uh, released in theaters and on Disney Plus this week, and obviously uh, if you watch this whole thing, uh, you can tell we haven't reviewed that, and that is because we are going to give it its own special review. Uh, we are supposed to review it today, but somebody, not me, uh didn't watch it in time so i believe sometime later today he's going to go watch it and then we will review it here on this uh channel and we will give you notice for when that will be yeah i'm gonna head out and watch it in theaters i can't get myself to pay 30 bucks to disney plus to watch mm -hmm. this movie so i'm gonna try and go out and grab a ticket see it, see it in imax or dolby or something nice you know uh, it'd be worth the money on that at least All right. yeah i just watched it and you know quick thought it was it was solid. It was, 
typical Marvel movie, right? I would say upper middle. That's that's where I would put it, upper middle. Interesting. I'm looking forward to the upper middle. Upper middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll be back next week to review uh, whatever new comes to Disney Plus. If you got someone in a family or you know someone that you know has Disney Plus and they're always like texting you message and you like, hey, what should I be watching on Disney Plus? Send them our podcast or youtube show or whatever the hell you call this thing and uh you know they'll stop bugging you and start bugging us and at least we'll have views so uh enjoy the rest of your weekend have a nice day